morning. Man, it's good to, to be with you all today. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. We're actually finishing our, our series in Luke chapter 10 that we've been in for five weeks. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to get up and grab one from around the room. It's on page 725 for using one of our Bibles, Luke chapter 10. A couple of quick things as we jump in. I want to invite Nick and Abby to stand up. Nick and Abby are an amazing part of our church family. They just got engaged yesterday. <laughs> Super pumped for them. And so happy for you guys. Celebrate those things because we're family here and it's, it's a big deal. Exciting time for them. Um, well, one more thing before we jump into the time of teaching. We're going to have our fourth ever Marathon Family Retreat. I don't know if the slide is here. Caleb, could you find that slide real quick and throw it up? Um, I, I wanna just say this, you know, March 27th through 29th, we set aside a weekend every year for our church family to just get away. And, and for the purpose of, of being together and of being in God's presence, just kind of for an extended amount of time. And, and I know that, I mean, there are a lot of reasons not to go, but I wanna really invite you to, to come and be a part of this, this weekend, this, uh, the, the weekend that we're hosting this. You know, I was thinking about last year and, and just some of the, the moments that I remember as I kind of look back on last year, you know, I think about this moment where we had this long break in the middle of the day and it was just beautiful and sunny. We're praying for that again this year. But I remember just getting to sit and, and to talk to some of my older sisters just for like an hour. And I'm like, man, when, when do you get to, to sit in people's presence that are much older than you and just glean from their wisdom in their heart? Or I think about getting to play volleyball last year with, with Kevin. I discovered that Kevin's a pretty good volleyball player and, and, and Drew and some other people from our church family. And, and I remember putting the kids together at night and, and there was a place where this campfire, I got to sit around with Austin and Aaron. We just sat around and we just talked for, for a long time. And, and I go, man, there's something about just taking the step and the uncomfortable step, maybe even the inconvenient step to, to commit to something like this. And you find yourself being blessed immensely. You discover that what we all want is connection. We all want to be known. We all want to love people and be loved. And, and yet we keep doing the same patterns over and over again. And God opens up these opportunities. And I think this is an opportunity. I mean, if, if you want to connect with some people and, and I really believe that, that your spiritual journey starts to skyrocket when you actually start opening your life up to other people. And so this is an amazing opportunity um, to, to sign up. And so if you're interested in going, text uh, Retreat 2000. And 20 to this number, and, and we'll send you a little thing for you to fill out so how you sign up. Does that sound good? Love for all of you guys to be there if you can. Okay, let's, uh, let's jump in. Luke chapter 10. You know, we've been in this series for, for five weeks, and I'll say this. We've, we've been opening up a space for testimony for people to share. We're actually going to do that on the, the, the end of teaching today instead of at the beginning just to change things up. Um, but, but I want to I kind of recap the past few weeks. And so we've been asking God the past, uh, this will be the fifth week, God, would you, would you awaken us? Would you awaken us? And so we started in Luke chapter 10 by looking at the story at the end of the chapter, the story that's known as the Good Samaritan. And we started asking God, would you awaken us to the people around us? That each of us, man, there are people in our path that need to be to encounter the love of Jesus. And so the idea was that we would put compassion into action just like Jesus did. And then the second week we asked God, God, would you awaken us to your presence that is within us? And so we talked about this idea that so often before we have an impact on the kingdom, what precedes that is intimacy with the king. We talked about this idea of being faithful to Jesus more than being concerned with the fruit that we're bearing for Jesus. 
The third week of the series, we talked about this idea of God, would you awaken us to your purpose for us? That our purpose in this life isn't just to make money and to make much of ourselves and to be happy. God, that you put us on this planet to understand that, that there are so many lost people, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so we looked at this idea that, that when it comes to God's heart concerning lost people, that our God is not a God of, hey, come and see. He's a God that says, hey, go and find them. Like you really... Uh, Followers of Jesus, leave this place and go find people in this world that don't know who I am. And then last week we talked about, God, would you awaken us to the, the power that is within us? And we talked about how uh, as followers of Jesus, it's not just about as you go, but, but literally going about setting aside time to pursue people that don't know Jesus. And so today we're gonna be kind of wrapping up this, this series and we're gonna asking God, hey, would you give us your perspective? Would you awaken us to the heavenly perspective? You know what great moments in life are? It's, it's the moments where, where, where you experience something that is better than expected. Think about a moment in your life where you kind of stepped into something and, and you kind of had some ideas about what it was gonna be like before you, you got in. And, and then when you got into it, you're like, man, it's better than I even thought. A couple of things came to mind this morning. I remember my senior year of college and I had a good friend and, and he said, hey, my family for Christmas, we're going, to, we're going skiing. We're going to Big Sky, Montana. Do you want to come with us? It's like, do you want to be our guest? And I didn't have to think about that question at all. The answer was yes, right? And, and, and so up until this point in my life, I'd skied like the hills of Indiana and the, the, I don't know, they're not quite mountains of West Virginia and kind of in the Northeast, but I'd never been on the West. And I'd always heard people who'd ski like, hey, there's something about skiing out West that'll just change you, make you spoiled. And so I'd been looking for this opportunity. And so uh, my friend invites me and his family is just so generous and so kind. And so we, we get out there and I knew that it was gonna be awesome because I'd heard stories and I was like looking at the snow report. There's all this fresh powder. And I get out there and I remember the, the place that we were staying was literally right on the slopes. It was a place that you literally put your skis in on your front porch and then you ski down the mountain. And that's not, that's not how I grew up skiing. Like that's, that's not the family I come from. Like this is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? That, that snow is coming down literally on our front porch. There was a hot tub. So after you ski all day, you get to sit in a hot tub. Kate's like shaking her head. I'm like, man, this was a better than expected moment. Once in a lifetime kind of deal. You get into it and you know that it's gonna be fun. And then you experience it and you're like, man, this was far exceeds it. I think about on our first anniversary that um, my wife was a, is a huge Disney fan. She's one of those people. And some of you guys are those people and Disney World. And so uh, I surprised her. I'm like, hey, I'm going to take her to Disney World. And so I surprised her. And her you know, response was not what I'd hoped it was going to be for all the, the work that I'd done and, that, and to, to, to plan it. But we get down there and, and I, didn't, I like wasn't really a Disney fan like up until this point. Like I'd kind of been burned when I was 16. I wanted to be home. I didn't want to go when I went with my family, kind of spoiled brat. And, and so Court and I go and, and we get there and I'm going, man, this was better than I expected to, to watch the parade through Magic Kingdom and the fireworks. And I'm a believer now. Like there's, there's something about it. And, and, and you get into these moments in life where, where you're expecting something and then you, you do it and you go, man, it's better than expected. I have a feeling that this is what the 72 were feeling in Luke chapter 10. You see, Jesus called 72 just ordinary people. He called them to himself and he appointed them and he sent them to all the places that he was about to go with these clear instructions. He said, this is, this is what I want you to do. 
This is, this, is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to all these places and these are the exact words that I want you to speak specifically for, for people who, who don't know me. And I love that, 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 that Jesus, he, he, he looks at these crowds of people and he's gonna send this 72 out. And I was just thinking about probably what they were feeling in that moment that I wonder if any of them had ever done this before. They, they'd ever like stepped outside of the church building and, and, and went and shared their faith with someone. You know, I was just imagining, I'm sure that there were people in the room that were nervous, that there were people who were anxious, there were people who were scared. I'm sure there were people that were, that were fired up. There were people who were hopeful. There were people that were thankful. And, and what, no matter what they were feeling, they, they go. The 72 go, they go into all these villages and they proclaim Jesus and they come back and they have one of these better than expected moments. I love what happens in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. This is what it says. The 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They returned with joy and they said, even the demons submit to us in your name. And I love this because what happened is that, man, they discovered as they went out that, that people were interested in hearing about Jesus. They, they discovered that there were so many people all around them, and maybe they didn't even know this, that, that were hungry to, to know God like they did. And it seems that they healed people, that, that the healing power of Jesus literally flowed through their lives as they, as they prayed for people. And, and I love, I just spit, I love what, what happened is that, that they come back and they don't say any of that. The thing that they come back and they say is, Lord, the, the demons submit to us. It's like this moment where they said, hey, you didn't tell us this was gonna happen. It's better than we expected. It's, it's more than we anticipated. Jesus, that, that what you told us was gonna happen, more came from it than you even said. And I can't help but think about some of the correlations between Luke chapter 10 and what we've kind of been experiencing as a church, but as a city the last month. And I know this wasn't everyone's experience and I'll speak to that in just a minute. It's totally okay. Remember, we stepped into a season of, of praying and fasting with 700 other churches in our city. That each day for these 30 days, a, a church in Nashville hosted a prayer room. So for 24 or for 30 days, 24 hours a day, someone in our city was praying for the work of God to, to move in this city. We, we challenged everyone, hey, will you think about the people in your life that, that don't know Jesus, that need to be touched by his love, by his heart, and, and to pray for them. And we ask you to, to, to look for ways to bless them. And I go, I wonder how many of you come here this morning and you look back on the, the past few weeks and, and you've experienced God in a way that you never expected to. That how many of you, you, you grew up in church your whole life or maybe you've been coming for a week or two and you had some thoughts about God, but, but you stepped into this and you discovered that, man, life with God is better than I even expected. Or how many of you, man, you, you, you stepped into the fast expecting to reconnect with God? Man, you came into the fast with this, this season on fumes and, and, your, and your heart was reconnected to God and, and you're walking in a place with God that you never thought was possible. How many of you set aside food or social media or Netflix for a season and you realize that not only you could do it, but you realize how refreshing for your soul it actually was? Man, how many of you prayed for opportunities to serve the people on your list? How many of you prayed for opportunities to, to share Jesus and, and you're amazed at how God worked? 
How many of you took the, the, the invitation last week and you set aside some time this week to literally go look for lost people? And I go, man, how many of you come here this morning? And you go, man, when I think about God, when you think about what, what God is doing in my life, it's, it's better than I had expected. And I know not all of you are there. Maybe not most of you are there. And I'll talk to this in, in just a minute. And maybe it wasn't this huge moment, but how many of you over the past month, man, you felt seen by God? And maybe you didn't have this mountaintop moment, but you realize, man, that God sees you. Maybe you, you opened up the scriptures for the first time and you felt like God was speaking to you and you haven't, you haven't been connected to the scriptures in a long time and it was like this breath of fresh air. How many of you, you prayed for something and, and you saw God clearly answered? And this group of people, they come back and they're just on fire. God, it's better than I expected. And I love what Jesus says in verse 18. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know, he may be talking about when Satan was first cast out of heaven. Satan, who's very real, just the enemy of God, he's our enemy was created to serve the Lord because of his pride and his arrogance, because he wanted to be the one that was worshiped instead of worshiping the, the true king was cast out of heaven. You can read about this in Ezekiel chapter 28, Isaiah chapter 14, if you want to go read some more about that. But I love what, what Jesus is saying, because I don't think he's talking about the moment that, that Satan was cast out of heaven. I don't think he's, he, he's doing that. He very well could be doing that. I think what he's saying is that, is that when they come back and they say, Jesus, we, the, the demon submitted to us in your name. I think what Jesus is saying, I saw in the spiritual world what was happening. And all you saw what was happening in the physical world. Here's what I mean. I, I think what Jesus is saying is that, man, when, when, when you went out, and you shared your faith, Satan was falling. That there were, there were cosmic implications, that there were shifts in the eternal power structures that, that you thought that you were just going and telling something about Jesus. And in all actuality, what was happening is that the, the, the chief enemy that is against us and against God was falling. He struck, was struck a blow that every time we share our faith, that every time we step out on a limb, that the enemy gets weaker and weaker, that there's something that Jesus is helping us see in the spiritual sense, that when we just take these chances, take these risks, something in the, the, the powers of this cosmic world is happening. You know, think about some of the things that happened over this past month. I don't know how many of you guys got to come to the, the baptism gathering last Sunday night. There was a guy who showed up there and, and he didn't know a soul. And he came by himself and he literally gave his life to Jesus in baptism. He sends this text to one of the guys on our team afterwards. He says, man, I wasn't expecting any of that when I walked in. And I walked out feeling like my life has been forever changed. Satan falls. That, that the enemy loses his power. The enemy loses his grip when, when God's people do what God asks us to do. You know, some of you shared your faith this month and you've never done that before. Some of you, you prayed prayers and, and you didn't see anything happening. But if you had the perspective of heaven, you would see the, the, the enemy's falling. And I believe that some of you started praying prayers this past season that you'll keep praying for the next one, two, three, five, 10, 15 years. And you won't see any fruit for 15 years, but you will see the fruit one day. I saw Satan falling from heaven. 
You know, this week I was, I was super challenged. I, I invited us as a church family, hey, to, to set aside time to go look for lost people. And I was convicted like, man, I can't invite our church to do that if I'm not gonna do that first. I wanna share some about what, what God is doing in my heart this week. And my motives are are pure in this. I'm not elevating myself at any means. And if you hear that, you can come talk to me and rebuke me. This is is not what what I'm trying to do. I'm I'm trying to to share what happens, I think, when when we're willing to do what Jesus asks us to do. So I had it on my mind this week. I'm I'm not just gonna um, talk about this. I'm actually gonna set aside time this week to go look for lost people. So I wake up on Monday morning and I feel like the Lord is putting um, barista parlor on my heart in, in Germantown. And I'm like, I've got some meetings in the day and I've got some stuff I got to get done. And so I'm not, um, I can't even think about that until I, I kind of get um, later in the afternoon. So I go about my meetings and get done. And it's about 2.15 and I'm in my office working and I go down to where our kitchen is and I begin to make, make coffee. And I feel like the Lord is going, hey, remember this morning. Like, I've, it was on your heart. I'm like, yeah, Lord, but what if that wasn't you? What if that's not what you were actually saying? And, and I felt like the Lord was just going, hey, Brandon, you can stay in your office and stay comfortable, or you can do what I'm asking you to do. And I'm like, okay. So I get in my car, and, and, I, and I drive over to, to Germantown, and, and I literally put in, in ways, I put steadfast coffee, because I'm like, Lord, I don't want to pay $6 for a cup of coffee. Like... I'd rather pay a couple dollars. And, and so I'm driving and I literally feel like the Lord going, man, why are you so resistant, Brandon? Like, why is it that you're always, and I'm like, okay, Brista Parlor, Germantown. And so I, I walk in and, and I'm asking myself, okay, God, I pray for again, God, would you give me a person of peace here? Would you give me someone who's interested in having a conversation about you? Someone that, that you're looking for, someone that is lost. And so I, I walk in and, and the person that's at the, um, I don't even know, it's not a checkout counter, whatever it's called now, I can't think of it. And, and, and he's this person of peace. And so we start talking. He's super kind. And I realize, oh, this, I think this guy might be him. So I sit down, literally the seat closest to the cash register as I can. And so I'm sitting there and just praying and, and I'm reading for a few minutes and, and I've got to go and I've got to go pick up court. And, and, and so I get up and I just walk up to him and I feel like the Lord says to me, hey, just ask him if he's a person of faith. So I walk up to him like, hey man, are you, are you a person of faith? And he said, I, I used to be, I'm not anymore. And I told him, I'm like, man, hey, our, this is where our church meets. Like, if you're ever interested in like coming to know the Lord, if you like part of an amazing church family, pursuing the Lord, there's no, I mean, not gonna be any judgment. This is a place for you to come and discover the goodness of God. And he's like, yeah, thanks. And so I walk out of there and I feel like the Lord, I get a couple steps out the door. It's like, hey, you need to go ask him about what happened. So I turn back around, I walk in. Hey man, do you mind if I ask you, like you said you were a person of faith, what happened? And he said, no, I don't mind at all. He said, I was, I was a missionary in another city. And he said, I, I went through some, some trauma as a kid. And I realized that I was trying to, to use religion to, to heal from this experience and, and religion just didn't do it for me. And so I just laid it aside. 
And I feel like the Lord is saying, hey, you need to tell them why you're here. And I said, hey, man, this is going to sound weird. Maybe, I don't know. I said, this morning I woke up and barista parlor was on my heart, like this specific one. And I feel like I'm supposed to come here for you. And I don't know why you don't believe in the Lord. I don't know what all's going on in your heart, but you need to know that you're on the Lord's radar. And that the Lord's thinking about you. That the Lord sees you, that the Lord loves you. And I'm like, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah. I get to pray with this guy. And I share this story with you because I, I just so believe that what God's heart is for us is, is for that not to be the exception, for that to be the norm. In my life, and, and, and I started, Court and I got to go on a date on Friday and I was telling her, she's like, hey, what are you learning right now? What is it that, that is going on in your heart? And I said, I think what God's teaching me is that for a lot of my life, man, my, my relationship with the Lord, like every day, like I'm reading this. Like I, I know that this is the thing that, that, that the Lord speaks through this. And so this has become a priority in my life and, and praying has been a part of my life because I know that God answers, that, that there's something powerful about praying for you as my church family and, and praying that God hears it. It's not a waste of my time, but there's been this other aspect of my life of, of sharing my faith, of, of inviting people, of taking risk of, that, that has been neglected. And so I told Court, I think what God's asking me to do is, is every day to try to have a meaningful conversation with someone that doesn't know Jesus. It's interesting, I got to hang out with another pastor on Monday night and he was telling me, he said, I don't even know how the, what, what the context was, but he was telling me about this person that lived a long time ago. And this person's personal goal was to bring one person to Jesus every single day. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. Like, I wanna be there. Maybe one day I'll be there. I'm like, I think God's asking me to have a meaningful conversation with someone. And so every day this week, it would be a, like a, this, a thought in my head, a place. Hey, just go there. And so Tuesday, my mechanic, before work, I, I go and have this conversation with my mechanic. And it's interesting because they literally stop what they're doing and come and sit in the office and just talk. And I'm going, it's crazy what happens when we just will follow the Lord. Or Wednesday morning, you know, Caleb Meeks is not here this morning. But Caleb texted me on Sunday and he said, hey, if, if you're interested, I wanna do this with you. Like, I wanna, I wanna go and look for lost people. And I'm like, absolutely. And it was so beautiful because the timing on Wednesday, I was, my, you know, I, I started, I was on fire on Sunday. I'm like ready to commit to this. And on Wednesday, I'm like, Lord, I don't want everyone to do this again. It's so hard. And his timing was so perfect. And so I go and pick him up at, at Lipscomb where he works. And, and I felt like the Lord showed me the, this blue roof, the corner of Nolensville and Harding. And it was IHOP. I'm like, all right, Lord, we're going to IHOP. Like, you've shown me the past two days, if I'll just take steps, you'll be faithful. Like, if I'll trust the things that you're speaking, then, then, I'm, gonna, then I'm gonna partner with you, Jesus. And so we go to IHOP and we're asking, does God give us a person peace? Give us someone who doesn't know you. And we walk in and this guy who is um, seating us, this super nice, friendly guy, and we're just kind to him. And, and he takes us to our seats. And this is what he says. He says, hey, thank you for being kind to me. Not everyone's kind to me, thank you. It's a guy from a different country. And we're like, this is a person of peace. <laughs> and so we're praying, we had this conversation and, and he's actually, a, a, he's, a, he's a Muslim man. We start talking about Jesus and we realize that he's interested in having a spiritual conversation. And so we're going, okay, God, you've given us a foot in the door. And so Caleb and I are going, hey, what does it look like on, on Wednesdays to try to, to go back and, and to connect with this guy? 
to pray with him. And, and I share all these things because I'm just so convinced when we're willing to take a step, when you're willing to pray the prayer, when you're willing to do something that's uncomfortable, the enemy falls and you might not see it. But things are happening. I love what, what, what Jesus says in verse 19. He says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And, and snakes and scorpions, he's talking, these are symbols for evil. And I think it's important for us to understand that this word that he chooses to use. He says, I've given you power to overcome all the power of the enemy. He doesn't say, I've, I'm gonna make you exempt from all the power of the enemy. He says, you're gonna have the ability to overcome. And I think that's important. God's people, we're, we're going to experience battle with the enemy. I love that Jesus says nothing will harm you and, and we can't just take that one sentence and let that be the only thing that we cling to as followers of Jesus. Right, because what happens when, when, when we read these words, nothing will harm you, and we, and we look at our lives and we go, man, but someone I love just died of cancer. And anxiety keeps coming back into my life and depression and this crippling fear is, is all around me. What happens when, when we build our whole faith structure on this one line of nothing will harm you is that when, when things come our way, we, we throw the talent on Jesus. You see what Jesus is getting at here, we have to, to, to know Jesus, not just this one sentence. Like it's important while we read this and we know Jesus, the, the fullness of, of what he said and done. I go, if you're not reading this, this is how you get to know Jesus. Because he also says things like this in John 16, in this world, you'll have trouble. And he says this in, in later on in Luke, he says, people are going to hate you. You're gonna be put in prison. You're gonna be betrayed by parents and brothers and sisters. Some of you, they're gonna to put to death. You see what happens when, when, we, when we hold up passage of scripture like nothing will harm you? And we don't hold these other things with it? Man, we're, our foundation is not built on truth. It's built on partial truth. See, what Jesus is saying here is that he, he's talking about the deeper things. He's not saying nothing's gonna physically harm you. Like, that's gonna happen to us. What he's saying is that, is that nothing is gonna happen to your soul. He says this in John chapter 10, my father who's greater than all is stronger than all and no one will take you from his hand. What Jesus is wanting us to understand is that when we are in Christ, the enemy has no power to take us from him. That the enemy can't take your salvation. The enemy can't take your soul. That, that nothing will overcome you. Nothing will overpower you. That you are stronger than the enemy. And I love this in verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is where I want us to, to end today. If I'm being completely honest, all week, I've kind of been walking in this like, just this joy and this confidence from just the week that I've had. The doors that God has opened up and, and the Lord's just been reminding me, hey, do not rejoice in the things that you do for God. Rejoice in who you are in God. Don't, don't rejoice in what you do for the Lord. Rejoice in what's been done for you. 
You know, it's kind of like a, a buzzkill a little bit. Like, man, Jesus, like we came back and, and we drove out demons and, and we preached and, and we shared you with people and you're telling us not to rejoice. And Jesus isn't saying, hey, don't get excited about that. Like when, when, when God's opened doors for you, for the people you've been praying for and, 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 when, and when things are happening, when you're experiencing healing and life with God, he's not saying, hey, be somber about that. No, he's saying rejoice in that. But what he's saying is, hey, don't let your, your effectiveness in the kingdom don't let your worth and your value be determined about how much you're producing in the kingdom. Your worth is found in who you are in God. You see what happens when, when I find my worth and my value based upon weeks like this? Man, it, the reality is I had a really good week. And if, if, if my worth and my value is based upon what I've done, then I feel really good and it's fun to be there. But we all know that's not, that's not everyday life. And so what happens, it crumbles when we go through hard weeks. It crumbles when we go through weeks or seasons where we don't see any fruit in our lives. And Jesus is going, man, rejoice in who you are. Don't rejoice for the things that you do for God. Don't rejoice and celebrate how much you're praying for people that don't know Jesus. Don't rejoice and celebrate when you take a step. Don't, don't, don't rejoice in yourself. Don't take pride in yourself. What he's saying is rejoice in who you are in God. And I go, I think that we've, we, lost, we lose this so easily, especially in the South. Man, where, where churches are on every corner. The Lord is reminding me, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Do you realize what we've been given in Jesus? Do you realize that because of Jesus, all of your sins are forgiven? Like all of them. Do you realize that because of Jesus that, that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? That you get to live your life hearing God clearly helping people around you come to know God. Do you realize what you have in God? Do you realize how valuable you are to the kingdom? Do you realize that, that your name has been written in heaven? You can go and read this in Revelation 20 and 21 and that nothing the enemy can do can separate you from the love of God. He says, rejoice. I go, how many of us, man, we, we, we rejoice so often in the things that we're doing for God? But how many of us rejoice in the things that God has done for us? Do we actually believe this? Do we actually believe that we're forgiven? Do you actually believe that you'll spend the rest of your life with God? This is a promise of Jesus. This is who you are, who you'll always be. I go, what happens when we try to find our worth, our value in anything other than this? What happens when we, when we find our worth in, in our job? Or when we try to find our, our worth from, from being a, a, a parent? Or when you find your worth in how intelligent you are, how good looking you are, when you find your worth in, 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 in money or popularity, 
the moment those things start to be taken from you, it absolutely crushes you. You realize how, how angry and, and manipulative you can become. And this is what happens when, when we find our value in anything other than the fact that your name is written in heaven. Do not rejoice as the demons submit to you. Rejoice that your name's been written in heaven. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, your name has been written in heaven. Never to be erased. You don't have to wait in, in fear of, of standing in front of God. Your, the price has been paid. You live in freedom. You live as a son. You live as a daughter of the Most High God right now. And in this season that we're, we're coming out of, I want to just invite us into a couple of things. Some of you, man, you made huge steps this past season. There's been some breakthrough with God. There's been this spark with God, this intimacy with God, or this desire to live more fully for God. And I want to invite you into some ways of continuing to keep this going. You know, one, one of the opportunities is that the, the first Wednesday of every month as a church, we, we set aside that day to pray and to fast. We're actually going to start that in April. So right, we just come out of a long season of praying and fasting. You can pray this Wednesday, but, but man, we're gonna start the, the fasting back up in, in April. I invite you to, to come to prayer gathering every Sunday night at the Cannery Ballroom at 7 p.m. We just pray, we get in God's presence, we pray for our city. I encourage you to, to keep praying for the people on your cards. Even if you haven't seen fruit yet, keep praying. And then I wanna share this with you. We're gonna try this. I'm excited about it. We'll see how it goes. I want to invite you to mark your calendars for June 4th and June 5th. It's a Thursday and a Friday, a couple months from now. And I'm going to invite us as a church family to, to, to practice Luke 10 together. So we try to be strategic about this. It's in the summer, so school, school is out. Um, Try to give you 90 days for those of you who are nurses and you know, you're trying to, to schedule your plans around this. June 4th and 5th, what we're gonna invite us to do is, is, is we're gonna take two days and we're gonna, we're gonna go into the city of Nashville in search of people that God's interested in reaching. There'll be more details that will come, but, but what we're, this is gonna look like is man, we'll, we'll get together that morning and we'll have a time of worship, we'll have a time of prayer. And then we're gonna go into the city. And if you've never done this before, man, there are lots of people in our church family who have, and there'll be people that you can just go along with and watch. For those of you who have kids, you're like, man, what is this like for kids? Hey, some of you, man, you might get to go for a couple hours. Then you need to go put your kids home for a nap, and that's totally okay. But Jill is going to be working with us to, to think through ways that, that families can engage in this, because we don't believe that, that missionaries are just people that, that don't have kids. We believe that everyone can be a part of this. And then we're going to spend the, the day going into our city, looking to partner with Jesus. And we're gonna come back together at night. We're gonna eat dinner. We're gonna tell stories of what God did. And I go, man, I, I believe that this joy, this greater joy of, of finding people who don't know Jesus and, and, and letting his life and his love flow through us is accessible to us all. And the only thing that will keep us from stepping in is just us. And so I invite you to, to mark this on your calendars, June 4th and June 5th. And I want to speak to those of you who are not followers of Jesus, just for a minute. You know, 
I don't, I don't know the reason why you're not a follower of Jesus. I don't know if you've been hurt by Christians. I don't know if, if you're believing something about God that, that isn't true. Here's what you need to know about our God. In God, you have a loving father that sent his son to die for you so that you wouldn't have to die. That God is real. That, that God is kinder than you can imagine. He's, he's fun. Life with God is fun. And God knows you and God loves you. Talking to court this week about these people in our lives and and they have a grown daughter and, and their daughter's just making terrible decisions right now. And she's just running from God and she's distancing herself from their family. And it's like she, she just can't get, like there's something going on in her head and in her heart. And I don't know what is going on in your life. I don't know why you're, you're choosing to separate yourself from God, but you need to know that he wants you home. And if you come here this morning and you feel far from God, you need to know that he wants you home and he's not gonna make you pay for it. He's not gonna make you clean yourself up. He just wants you home. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna open us up for a few minutes and just give us an opportunity to, to testify to what God is doing in, in your life. If, if you had any moments this week where, where fruit was, was born from the kingdom, where you took a chance. So we've been opening the floor up and, and some of you, man, I know that you're so nervous to do this, but, but the body actually needs to hear you testify and it's not you elevating yourself. It's actually inviting us to be more bold, to be more courageous. And so this week, man, if, if, if you had any moments of getting to, to see, to take a chance for the kingdom, would, would you just mind standing up and sharing? Or if God used you this week, there's something that God did in your life to encourage someone, would you stand up and share? So we're gonna take the next couple minutes and, and just share out loud. And so I just invite you, stand up in your, your chair, and testify. You know, it's so, it's so cool. Thank you for, for sharing that, for taking that chance, just when we are willing to listen to the Lord in real time and step through those doors. And uh, there are gonna be plenty of moments like this where we see fruit. And we're also gonna be a church family that celebrates the step and there's not in fruit. We're gonna celebrate, hey, I shared Jesus this week and I got completely shut down. And we're gonna clap and we're gonna celebrate because we're a church family that is taking very serious uh, this other people's souls. And so um, we're gonna celebrate the fruit, but we're also gonna celebrate the faithfulness. Um, here's what I want us to do. I want us to, we're gonna take communion in just a minute. And, and we do this every week. We take the bread and the cup and this is our reminder of what has been done for us. Body's been broken, the blood has been shed. Not because of what we've done, we just receive it. The same way we don't do anything, we just take it in. We take in Christ, we take in the forgiveness, we take in his grace, we take in his love, we take in his mercy. And so there's a slide up here, if you throw that up, Shay. If, if, if you need something to talk about in communion, by all means, this could be a question. What right now is, is giving you the greatest sense of your value? If it's anything other than Jesus, bring that to the light, confess. And if you wanna give your life to Jesus today, if you need to do that, if you need to get right with God, come to the respond. Man, there'll be some men and women in the back. We'd love to pray for you. But I invite us right now, uh, let's go and take communion and uh, we'll jump back in worship in just a minute. And so love you guys. Let's go right now.